All right, Krishna, uh, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class, February 27th, 2022. So uh, today we're going to, um, we're just completing Arjun's powerful, spiritually emotional statements regarding uh, the disappearance of Krishna. Um, so, here we go. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, we have uh, these two verses. Uh, to the uh, beginning, 115, 25, and 26. Jaloka Sam, Jale, Yadvan, Mahanto, Dantyaniyasaha, Durbalan, Balino Rajan, Mahanto, Balino Mitaha, hmm. Evam Balishtair Yadu Bir Mahad Bir Itaran Vibhu Yadun Yadu Bir Anyonyam Anyonyam Bhubharan Sanjahara. So, uh, if you look at the first line of 1 1525, uh, the last word of the first line is Yadvan which is a synonym of yata, so it means just as. Just as jaloka sang, and then uh, this means jala. Jala means water, uh, not jala, which means a cage or network. But jala, jaloka sang, okas. Okas uh, means uh, an abode. And actually, the Sanskrit word okas is related to the word uh, to the word uh, ec ecology. The word Sanskrit, uh, I'm sorry, the English word uh, ecology, the ecos or ec ecosystem, like ecosystem. That's uh, it comes from the Greek oikos. Oikos means house, house or home. So the Greek oikos is related to or comes from the Sanskrit okas, okas, oikos. And uh, it means abode. So literally, jalokas means the one who lives in the water, jalokas, jalokas. And here we have jalokasam, of those, among those who live in the water. So uh, of the water, of those who have their home in the water, just as so in the water. So we're talking about water dwellers and then jalay. So among water dwellers in the water, just as mahanto is the plural of maha. So the great ones, adanti, eat. The great ones eat, or Prabhupada says swallow, uh, aniyasaha, the smaller ones. 
the great ones eat the, by the way, the verb adanti, uh, it comes from the verb ad, from which you get the word anna, that which is eaten or food. And that's where you get that, um, that the, the prasadam prayer. Sharira Vidyajana, uh, so Anamrita means this uh, food nectar. So Anna uh, means uh, food or that which is eaten, and this is the verb, eat. So Mahanto Dantyaniyasa, it's all connected in Sanskrit. So the great ones, just as in the water, among water dwellers, the great ones eat the smaller ones. And Dur Balan Balino Rajan and Rajan, O King, the Balina, those who have Bala, in other words, the strong ones, like Balaram, one who takes pleasure in strength. So here, Bali means one who has strength. So Balino, uh, plural, the strong ones, O King, eat uh, the weak ones, those who have Dur Bala, those who have little strength or weak strength. Durbalan Balino Raja and Mahanto Balino Mitaha. And then, so the, the, the great ones eat the smaller ones, those with strength eat those with little strength, and Mitaha mutually, that's where we get the word mutual, Mitaha mutually, the great ones, the great ones and the strong ones eat each other. That's the idea that the great eat the, the big eat the small, the, the strong eat the weak, and the big and strong eat each other. So everybody's gone. Mahanto valino mitaha. Evam, thus, so that's the analogy. Yadvan, if you look at the first line, last word, yadvan, introduce this analogy, so then evam, similarly, or thus. Now it's going to compare everything that was just described in verse 25 was actually an analogy to something which will be described in text 26. Evam, thus, Balishtar jadubir mahadbir itaran vibhu jadun jadubiran yonyang bhuvaran sangjaharaha. Thus, Krishna, it's actually talking about Krishna here, sangjahara, he removed. Jahara is... Um, the verb from the same root, like with the word hari, one who takes away our suffering. So san jahara means he completely took away. Thus the Lord completely removed bhubharan, the burdens, plural, the burdens of the earth. Uh, by, uh, by the strongest yadus, balishtair. So bala, bali means strong, baliyan means stronger, and balishta means strongest. So thus, by the strongest yadus, evam balishtair yaduvir, mahadvir itaran vibhu. Uh, so actually it says here, Krishna, vibhu, the Almighty. Thus the Almighty uh, removed the burdens of the world by the strongest yadus, uh, and the great Yadus, Mahadbir, the great Yadus, uh, he, he removed, in other words, actually, literally, grammatically, the Lord removed Itaran, the other Yadus. Itara, Itara is a Sanskrit word 
which means the opposite of whatever came before it. So Mahadbir, uh, the Lord removed Itaran, those were not the great ones because, so Krishna used the great ones, Mahadbir, he used the great ones to remove those who were not great or the big ones to remove those who were not big. Uh, so, and he did this by the big Yadus or the great Yadus who were the strongest. And Yadun Yadubir Anyonyang. And he removed Yadus by Yadus mutually. Anyonyang. He mutually removed Yadus by Yadus and the ones who were not great and big by those who were. And he thus removed the burden of the earth, the burdens of the earth. So I explained this uh, before. And this is also talked about a lot in the 11th canto, beginning of the 11th canto, that Krishna brought these special forces, these special forces down to earth uh, to remove the asuras. And once the asuras were gone, those special forces, the yadus, had to leave. So that's what's being described here. And so um, this is being described because this is really why the yadus are gone. Uh, of course, superficially they drank rice wine they got into a big fight they completely forgot themselves they were literally out of their heads as we would say and they killed each other but this is what's really happening krishna has orchestrated this because he has to remove these special forces powerful forces from the earth because they're not needed anymore and they themselves will become the burden of the earth if they stay and no one else to kill them so they, they removed each other. So Desha Kalarta Yuktani Hritapos Opashamani Cha Haranti Smaratas Chittam Govinda Bihitani Me. So this is still Arjuna speaking now. So Arjuna. So Arjuna actually understands what really happened. And he's lamenting, but he knows what actually happened. So Now he says that, um, so the simple, again, the simple grammar of the sentence is that uh, Govinda Abhihitani. So the instruction spoken by Govinda to me, Abhihita, uh, in Sanskrit, uh, it can mean a few things, but here it clearly means um, that which was spoken, things, the things spoken. So those things that were spoken by Govinda to me, Aranti, they take away uh, Chittam, they take away the consciousness. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, first of all, they take away. Well, if you look at the first line, I'm trying to explain to you what the Sanskrit sense is really saying. The Govinda Bihitani, the the statements or the uh, that Govinda spoke to me, 
Yuktani, if you look at the first line, they're endowed with uh, the real meaning, Artha, of place and time. So Desha Kala, place and time, Desha Kala, Artha, and meaning, the meaning of space, in other words, what's going on, because for at the Battle of Kurukshetra, it was a particular place, Desha, it was a particular time, and therefore Krishna explained to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, this is what's really happening. This is where we are. This is what's going on right now. Kala, of course, also means destiny. And, uh, and of course, so Krishna, the things Krishna explained to me uh, were related to the real truth of what was going on at that particular time and place, as we would say. And also, those statements made by Krishna are hrita upashamanicha. Shama is like the word shanta, which means shanti, peace, or shama means to pacify. So they are those statements made by Krishna to me not only are endowed with a true understanding of the real purpose of of place and time, what's going on, but also upashamani, they pacify hrit tapa, the burning of the heart, the pain in the heart. Tapas means austerity, it literally means burning. And uh, so hrit tapa means the burning of the heart or the pain in the heart. So hrit tapa upashamani cha, so that painting, so these statements made by Govinda to me and that are just suitable for for place and time or explains place and time they uh those statements pacify the pain in the heart and uh and therefore haranti and they take away the mind uh they attract the mind or take away the mind smaratas of me who am remembering them so smaratas refers to Arjuna because I'm remembering these things. Uh, they take away, uh, they're sort of take you know taking away my mind. I'm completely taken away by these wonderful statements that Krishna made to me. So that's what Arjuna says there. And then so that's it. And, and that was the last statement by Arjuna. Now Sutta. He begins to speak again, Sutu Vacha. Evam Chintayato Jishno Krishna Pada Saro Ruham. Sohar Dainati Gadhena. So, Evam, thus, as Jishnu, Arjuna, was thinking deeply, Evam Chintayato. Jishno, as Jintu was 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 meditating, thinking deeply about Krishna Pada Sororuham, uh, the lotus of Krishna's feet. Saras means water, like Saraswati, is it means uh, a river that has a lot of Saras currents or water. And so Ruha means to grow. So. Here a word, so a word for lotus is saro ruham, that which grows in water. 
Uh, there are many such words in Sanskrit for lotus. Um, so, um, so the water growing, the, the Krishna's feet, which are lotuses, and the lotus, of course, which grows in water. So as Arjuna was meditating on Krishna's lotus feet, Sohardena, the word Soharda, of course, comes from Suhrit, literally good-hearted Suhrit. And Soharda means deep friendship. So by, by his friendship, his loving friendship with Krishna, which is Atigadena, uh, which Prabhupada translates uh, in great intimacy, friendship in great intimacy, the word Gada, um, means uh, something which is deep. So Atigadha means something which is very, very deep. So by Arjun's loving friendship with Krishna, which is extremely deep, extremely deep loving friendship. So by that, Shanta Asi Vimalamati, his Mati, Arjuna's mind, Arjuna's consciousness, became vimala. Mala means contamination. It became free of contamination. And thus asit, it became shanta, it became peaceful. So Arjun's mind, which was now free of any material taint, became peaceful. And all this happened by his extremely deep, loving friendship with Krishna. And he was meditating on the lotus feet of Krishna. So, that's that verse. And then having described Arjuna, now Vasudevangriyanu Dhyana Paribringhita Ranghisa Bhaktya Nirmatita Shesha Kashaya Dishana Arjuna. So, basically saying the same thing. Uh, dhyana is meditation. So anu dhyana means like constant meditation. Actually, Prabhupada says by constant remembrance. You know the word dhyana from the Ashtanga Yoga? Uh, going to seventh. Stay dhyana and then samadhi. So, so anu dhyana, constant meditation. By constant meditation on Vasudeva's feet, Angriya's feet. Paribringhita uh, ranghasa bhaktya. It's very interesting, very powerful statement. Uh, the word paribringhita uh, is increased, augmented, strengthened. Uh, so, so here the word ranghas is force. So ranghasa means force with power, with power, ranghasa, with power, which was greatly augmented. So the, um, so bhaktiya, and it refers to bhakti, it's referring, so bhaktiya with bhakti, whose power was greatly increased by constant meditation on Vasudeva's feet. So with that bhakti, kashaya dishinorjuna, 
uh, Arjuna, uh, his intelligence became Kshaya, which is uh, well, it actually can mean different things here. It's an interesting word. Uh, there's so many different meanings. Very interesting word. Uh, basically, let's see what how Prabhupada translates. I mean, there's many different ways you could translate it, but Prabhupada says, by dint, let, let's look at the translation, all the trash in his thoughts. That's very interesting, fellas, says, all the trash in his thoughts subsided. So we already uh, talked about the word dishana. So everything that was uh, basically everything that was in any way at all impure was transformed into knowledge. That's the idea, that everything was transformed into knowledge. So Arjun is now uh, in pure Krishna consciousness. And it's interesting also that Arjun reached this state by association with, with uh, Yudhisthira, who was also a pure devotee. So this pastime also demonstrates the power of association because Arjun came back from Dwarka. As we know, he was very depressed. But then in association with Yudhisthira and talking with Yudhisthira, all his impurity is now gone. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, I left out a few words which explain everything. So after the word bhaktiya, there's nirmatita ashesha kashaya. Because kashaya can mean a contamination or an impurity. So ashesha uh, means all. Uh, shesha means, Prabhupada says, unlimited. Because shesha means a remnant, among other things. Ashesha, like, uh, anyway, I won't go into that. So shesha can mean what's left over. So ashesha is a common word meaning complete with nothing left over, with nothing missing. In other words, it's almost like in English you would say without exception. So nirmatita, mat, the verb mat means to churn. Like, like for example, we always hear about the, uh, how do they call it, the, um, the churning of the ocean of milk the matana, the churning. So churning and then near matita means sort of like churned out, like everything is, something is purified. Everything is, everything is removed. So all the kashaya, which actually can mean uh, contamination, all of that is removed near matita, sort of like churned out. Uh, so near much that can mean stirred about, churned, agitated, or destroyed. It's just like, you know, it's like you just churn it all out. You destroy it. Wiped off. It can also mean wiped off. So so all of our Arjun's, all of the impurities in his mind, because dishanok means consciousness. So all the impurities in his consciousness, all of them, without exception, were all driven out by his bhakti. So that's what the verse means. Prabhupada translates it, Arjuna's constant remembrance of the lotus feet of Lord Sri Krishna rapidly increased his devotion, and as a result, all the trash in his thoughts subsided. 
So I gave you kind of a bit of a technical explanation, but that's what the Sanskrit means. Um, so Kala, Karma, Tamoru, Dung, Punara, Dhyagama, Prabhu. So maybe we'll do that one next time. So Arjuna, or, or just to speak a, a few words about this, um, if we look at the Pandavas, and in this case, we're looking at Arjuna, they went through tragedies and they, I mean, from the material point of view, they went through troubles that we hardly can imagine. Now, of course, there are large numbers of devotees in Ukraine that are going through a very difficult situation. And of course, Krishna is protecting them and Krishna will continue to protect them. So uh, sometimes, I was going to say that, you know, most of us in our lives don't go through these types of great battles, Arjuna did, but some Vaishnavas actually are in these very difficult situations. We send them our prayers. And also, because there's so many devotees in Russia, uh, I think it's practically inevitable that among the hundreds of thousands of Russian soldiers engaged, there it's very likely there are some who are also devotees or friends of devotees who maybe just needed a job or so they joined the army not expecting to actually fight i mean there are in in america i know there are a number of devotees that do that they join the military just because it's a job and now you know some of them may have now been sent to ukraine and so you can i mean you have this horrible situation where you could have devotees fighting devotees unknowingly and, and none of them really want to be there so I mentioned that not to depress everyone, I hope, but um, show you like the world we're in, the world we're in, we're in the material world. And, and so somehow or other, especially for those of us who are, you know, in relative material comfort, um, we just have to remember what world we're in, how, how, dangerous this world really is and uh it's so important that we take shelter of krishna it's so important that we take shelter of krishna and really like arjuna that that our remembrance of krishna be so strong that it drives away um all of the impurity in our minds and hearts so that we remember and we see clearly that we are eternal servants of Krishna. We are not, no one is the body. And uh, we are eternal souls. Everyone is an eternal soul. Everyone is part of Krishna. Uh, we all know that the world is very crazy. And I don't think anyone's going to debate that nowadays. It's funny. I remember back when I joined the movement, uh, the times were different for many people. And so we'd say that, you know, this world's a pretty crazy place. People say, no, people would want to argue, no, it's a place of happiness, but no one argues anymore. I mean, if you say to people now, this world's really crazy, no one argues. No one's going to say, no, it's not crazy. So in the times that we are now living, uh, let us take advantage and really intensify our Krishna consciousness. That's, that's what we need to do now. So, and of course, hearing Bhagavatam is, uh, it helps a lot. So let's see if there's any questions. Um, 
Thank you all for your comments. Uh, Deva Dharna. May I ask, how do you advise the Western devotees to assimilate the fact that the nuclear card has been played by this demon? Oh, I assume that's referring to Brezhnev. Um, because he is a demon. I mean, I, don't, I hope I'm not offending anyone in saying that, but um, it, because he's threatening, you know, that's what they do. They, I mean, obviously, I mean, unless he's gone completely mad, uh, he's not going to do that uh, because, of course, his own country would be annihilated. So, I mean, what is he threatening that, you know, okay, we'll annihilate each other and the whole world will be annihilated. So, I mean, I, even uh, sort of newscasters, I mean, the intelligent ones, some newscasters are just, you know, not, they're just trashy, not worth listening to. But, um, you know, many sort of sober people are wondering about his sanity. So um, we just have to take shelter of Krishna. You know, what else can we do? Um, and it's not likely, it's very unlikely, but still we should take shelter of Krishna. So uh, thank you again. Thank you all for your comments. I'm not reading them all, but I appreciate them. Why, this is from Jagat Palana, his weekly question. Why has Krishna arranged for such a brutal and violent system where in order to survive, we have to eat our brothers and sisters? Uh, fortunately, we don't have to eat our brothers and sisters. That would, uh, they're not offerable. Krishna, I mean, the Bhagavatam was just giving an example in, in, well, I mean, we don't, in the ocean. And if you look at, there's all these on YouTube, there's like innumerable nature films, which I watch sometimes because it shows you the nature of this world, how, you know, like, uh, you know, tigers and lions and so many other animals, what they do to each other. And uh, I mean, in a sense, Krishna has mercifully given those violent and animals and animals that are victim of violence. Fortunately, he's given a very low level of consciousness. So we don't know exactly. I mean, obviously, they're in fear. Obviously, they're suffering. But Krishna hasn't arranged it. That's the point. I mean, we arranged it. Krishna's just giving us the reactions. It's um, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I'll give you the verse number, Nadate Kastyachit Papam. Krishna says in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, that's uh, it's 515. Uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, I don't assume that since I don't take responsibility for anyone's good or bad actions. So Krishna, I mean, Krishna has created a, nat a system, a nature, which gives people what they actually deserve. And so, uh, I mean, just like we see in Ukraine right now or, or throughout history, I mean, there have been thousands and thousands of wars in history. And we, you know, some foolish person makes a decision knowing that law, all kinds of innocent people will die. And there'll be all kinds of suffering that people will suffer because in war, people suffer horribly, the combatants and, and you know, sometimes the non-combatants. And so, 
Uh, and even knowing that, a person makes that decision. So it's, again, we have to open our eyes and see exactly what world we're in. So Ravananda, can I consider from 125 to 26 that a universal principle being made is that Krishna does not disturb the order of things. That is, he respects that the bigger eats the weaker and therefore designs his intervention in accordance. Uh, I think you could consider that Krishna, I mean, there is a system because without a system, karma has to play out within a system. But there is justice. This is called theodicy, the justice of God is, you know, is God just and, and yes. So Krishna is not giving people more suffering than they deserve. And he's not giving them suffering that has no ben benefit because it does ultimately open the eyes of the conditioned souls. So... Yes, Krishna says, I don't assume responsibility for people's sinful actions and, and the reactions are, are fitting. They're, they're natural, they're logical. So that's why Krishna comes, but Krishna is not indifferent. I mean, Krishna, one of his opulences is, is detachment, but still he cares about us and that's why he comes to this world. That's why we are in the Hare Krishna movement because because Hari and Krishna, Radha and Krishna care about us. And therefore, you know, this they've created this movement to save us and, and to empower us to save other people. So they have Krishna is is has this his great opulence of a detachment. Detachment doesn't mean you don't care. Detachment means you don't suffer materially because of something, or you don't rejoice, Harsha Shoka, you don't lament or rejoice materially, but of course Krishna cares about us. He loves us. And therefore he comes to this world and he uh, begs us, he urges us to um, to wake up and to, to do the right thing. So Jagannath does. Uh, it seems that it is still normal for the largest to eat the smallest for the largest to eat each other would be a destruction for all. Will Krishna intervene to protect his devotees and how? So it's also normal for the strong to eat the strong. I mean, it's all over, it's all over the internet. You know, you get fights between animals, between powerful animals, tigers, lions, elephants, I mean, but, and, and this was a, yes, Krishna does intervene. He will intervene to protect the devotees. And how? By circumstances. I mean, Krishna, I mean, how many to my own life? I think thousands and thousands of times Krishna saved me. So many situations. I mean, every time you drive a car, you're taking your life in your hands. So how will Krishna, Krishna has his own plan. And there are many verses in the Bhagavatam that say that, um, you know, no one can perfectly understand what Krishna is going to do. But we see throughout history that Krishna does the right thing. And so exactly how will Krishna bring about justice? That will be revealed. 
So, um, and all of us should be aware how Krishna is always protecting us. So thank you all for your kind words. Uh, let's see. Oh, Genya. Can you tell us more about the purifying power of association? Hmm. Well, in good association, uh, we remember Krishna, and that remembrance purifies us. Or in good association, we engage in devotional processes like chanting, hearing, or you know, eating. So um, it's interesting because one thing I forget. Someone asked me something yesterday, and, and as I answered, I, I was realizing that you know we always say devotee association, but frankly. In the age we live in, there are people who maybe technically are devotees or claim to be devotees whose association is really not very good because uh, there are people who are very mundane. They're not, it used to be in ISKCON, everyone lived in a temple, everyone was practicing, everyone was on the spiritual platform. So we really have to associate with good devotees who are actually on the spiritual platform, who are actually taking seriously uh, Prabhupada's mission, who are taking seriously um, their own spiritual life. Of course, someone who may be, you know, not the most advanced devotee or not doing so well, sometimes can, can be very sincere and sort of tell us the right thing. Like, they, you know, sometimes a devotee may say something like, okay, you know, I may not be a perfect example, but you should really do this. So, so good association is not just among people who get up early in the morning and, and chant 16 rounds, but good association is among people who remind us of Krishna, who don't become very, you know, all passionate about material things, hating or attached to them. So, uh, and, and that, of course, is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to, to recognize good association, to seek it, and to recognize association which is not really helping us, which may be hurting us, and to avoid it. So that's one of the ways, that's one of the most important ways that we show our own sincerity, that we show Krishna that we are serious about spiritual life because we seek good association and avoid bad association and all of you are old enough to know the difference. So, uh, Sankarshan, uh, would it be inappropriate to consider that the free will of the Yadus must have been subdued for them to engage in such violent activities against fellow devotees and loved ones? Oh, that's from Sankarshan, also Brinda in the UK. I, Hare Krishna, Brinda. Haven't seen you in a while. Um, Krishna orchestrates his pastimes. And so the Yadus were bewildered. Uh, as far as did the Yadus out of their own free will uh, kill each other, that to me is not obvious. What we do know is that because the Yadus are great devotees of Krishna, uh, they didn't really materially suffer. I mean, one, one consequence of them uh, being drunk 
is that they didn't really know what was happening. I mean, typically people, let's say, who are, to use a colloquial expression, on a bender, people who are uh, drunk often wake up the next day and have absolutely no idea what they did or said the day, you know, the night before. So that was Krishna's mercy because the Yadus were so drunk, they actually didn't really know what was going on and didn't really suffer in that sense. And uh, and it was just the only way to remove them. Krishna, so, I mean, not the only way, literally Krishna could have had a meteor fall on Dwarka or something, but, uh, but that's how Krishna chose to do it. And... Uh, and of course, it also teaches us about the danger of intoxication and of the, some of the uh, the downside of being a great violent warrior. But that's what Krishna chose to do. So did the Yadus choose to kill each other? Uh, that's not obvious because, as I said, they were highly intoxicated. Shamala Kishuri. So we often pray for other devotees in distress. And yet sometimes see how their difficult situation continues and may even lead to death. Can you elaborate on what kind of prayer we should offer and how Krishna protects his devotees? Thank you. Excellent question. Very intelligent question. Um, yes, it's true. We pray for them. I think as far as our prayer we pray for, of course, it's it's almost impossible not to pray for Krishna to protect his devotees. And so let's say you pray to protect a devotee. And then let's say that something happens to that devotee. We have to understand that Krishna did protect the devotee because there, there are different forms of protection. For example, sometimes putting devotees in danger uh, often leads those devotees in danger to greatly intensify their own prayers or their own Krishna consciousness. So sometimes Krishna may uh, put us in danger uh, precisely to save us, to save our consciousness. And as we know, sometimes devotees uh, are injured or even killed. It doesn't happen a lot, but there are cases. And um, we are confident that Krishna sometimes removes a devotee from, even from a body, uh, from a particular situation in order to bring that devotee to a higher state. Because, I mean, ultimately, if it was the case that our prayers, let's say that by praying, uh, this would induce Krishna to always spare everyone we prayed for, then of course no one would ever die in this world because we see even when devotees are sometimes very ill or very, you know, or, or very old devotees, some devotees will continue to pray, please Krishna, you know, uh, keep this person with us. Sometimes even when it's actually in that person's self-interest to go on to a new body. But so <clears throat> Krishna consciousness, really understanding Krishna, who Krishna is and what he's doing, means that in a sense we're praying to Krishna, please do what is best for this person. 
that with your infinite mercy and your infinite knowledge, please do the best possible thing for this devotee, for that devotee's eternal health and happiness. And whatever happens, we are confident that that is precisely what Krishna has done. And so it's natural that we pray for devotees because, because we, we love other devotees, we care about them. And yet because we are or trying to be serious devotees, we never doubt that Krishna has done the best thing, that Krishna is ultimately protecting and saving this person by doing what Krishna does. So it's a good question. And uh, Krishna does protect his devotees by ultimately freeing them from all the dangers. And, and ultimately danger means not merely something that puts us, let's say, in physically in harm's way, but anything which threatens our eternal happiness. So for example, let's say someone's sick and, and the doctor gives a somewhat painful or inconvenient treatment, then, uh, but ultimately it, it's for the permanent good of that person. So Krishna is ultimately bringing all of us to our eternal and supreme happiness. And so in that sense, our prayers are always answered because Krishna is arranging truly what is best for every soul. So then, uh, now Lilakar, um, in relation to Ukraine, it can be agreed upon that it's a lack of professional administration on the part of the American Russia. Uh, I don't think we have to get into the technical, the technical critique of the American response to the Ukraine. I mean, I'm sure it was imperfect, but why can't people just put their egos aside and try to avoid, uh, well, if they could, put their egos aside, they would join the Hare Krishna movement. And uh, I'm not going to, uh, at this point, judge the response of various countries. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, there's there are a lot of greedy, lusty, uh, vain people in this world, and some of them are blinded by power and do very bad things. We know that. So, uh, Tarun Krishna, uh, the question, no one is innocent. Uh, if someone's a very good devotee, they're fairly, you know, it's pretty much innocent. But again, uh, Krishna just knows what's deep in our heart and Krishna knows what's best and Krishna is saving all of us. So uh, in verse 29, the translation is all the trash in his thoughts subsided. I'm puzzled about what Sanskrit expression gives us trash. Uh, I believe it was Kashaya. Uh, so, so that's it. Thank you all very much. And again, we all offer our prayers really for all the Vaishnavs. And uh, hope you are all hope you all stay safe, and that we can all be together again next Sunday. And of course, I'm uh, today is February 27th, and so I have no program scheduled for later today or tomorrow. And so I, I am going to be taking a very serious break, which will go on for some time. And um, so I can finish 
hopefully Krishna blesses me too, the Mahabharata, which is, it's a pretty amazing devotional service that Krishna's given me. But I will be doing the Sunday Bhagavatam classes. So, Hare Krishna, thank you all. And see you later.